0: I think maybe I'll start this time because I always make you do it. And it always seems like I'm forcing you to do something that you don't want to do. Sorry.
1: I need to become a better
0: actor. I think you're a really good actor. Thank you. Well, hey, it's Basic Folk with Cindy Howes and Lizzie No. We have honest conversations with folk musicians. I'm Cindy, and Lizzie is here. Hi,
1: Lizzie. Hi, Cindy. You know what I just thought about? Like, what if one time I had a dishonest conversation with a folk musician? Oh, yeah. Would that also be allowed on Basic Folk? Let's discuss. I feel like if
0: you presented it, like, it's all about context, you know? So true. So true, Bestie. I think that would be a really interesting um, thing for backstage. hmm You know? We, we could do... Know. Doing some Dishonest lies. conversation. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. I really like that idea. So, um... We have Erin Ray on the podcast today, which is very exciting. Um, But before we get to that, I've got a couple of things I want to talk about, including basic folk beanies. They are back in our lives. My mom uh, hand knits these really wonderful head toppers. uh, And then she puts a basic folk tag on them. So
1: it looks like a little hipster beanie. You guys, these beanies are so cute. They're so soft. I received my Basic Folk beanie before I had even begun doing a moment's work for the podcast. It was part of your onboarding. It was like, I'm already getting a signing bonus uh, for being part of this community. They're so cute. I'm always getting compliments on mine. Yours
0: is especially cute. Um, But if you want to check them out, you can go to our website, basicfolk.com, and make a monthly contribution and uh my mom will mail them to you and she mails things out very quickly uh we wrapped up our fundraiser for basic folk where i got t-shirts made for the podcast Mm -hmm. and i still have yet to mail them um but my mom is like she's like great i'll go to the post office today and that's and that's what she does um so anyways uh That's up on the website as well as Backstage, which is our uh, bonus content for members only. And you can become a member by contributing $5 a month or $60 for the year or more at our website. And uh, we have something pretty cool coming out this month for Backstage. So next week we have Anais Mitchell on Basic Folk doing a track by track for her new self-titled album. It's out now, by the way, so you should go listen to that. And then Aeneas's appearance on Basic Folks coming out next week. And for Backstage, we have an extended lightning round where uh, I actually asked some people to contribute questions to Aeneas, like lightning round like questions. Did you use and my
1: question? Well, I guess people will have to find out. Yeah,
0: find out. Um, you can join Backstage again by going to basicfolk.com. And make a contribution. You can go to the donate button, five dollars a month, and you can get access to all sorts of cool, fun, bonus content, including a possible future dishonest conversation with a folk musician with Lizzie. No, <laughs> um, another thing going on for the podcast is that we are featuring um, a fellow podcast, fellow folk podcast called American Songcatcher, hosted by Nicholas Edward Williams, uh, who is a folk singer. And he's like an investigative journalist when it comes to like traditional folk songs and uh, artists in the folk canon. And he investigates um, four artists and one traditional folk song every month on American Songcatcher. It's so well done. Uh, and you can find it wherever you get podcasts. And in a couple of weeks, we'll be sharing an episode of American Songcatcher in our feed. So look out for that. Other than that, Lizzie, what's
1: been happening? Anything cool happening for you? Yes, Cindy, I am on tour. People should follow me on social media if they're not already doing that. Lizzie.no on Instagram because I am traveling this great nation, sharing my little songs. This week I'm playing Dollywood, which is a dream come true, a lifetime That's, dream is come true. So exciting. I am so pumped. Yeah, and then I'm going to be finishing up my album in the studio sometime. I'm very hesitant to ever share specific dates because you never know what will happen. Mm. But I have time in the studio. So I'm doing musician life and podcast life. I think you should follow Lizzie No on social media, if only for
0: the outfits that she wears. Thank you, Cindy. I'm a little envious of you when it comes to playing shows because you have an opportunity to wear
1: outfits. I sure do. I sure do. And let me just tell you that the outfits that I am going to be wearing at Dollywood are some of my best, I think. And I am bringing my partner along to these shows because I love him and I enjoy his company, but also because I need someone to be taking photos of me every moment because of Mm -hmm. the amount of planning and intention that has gone into these Mm. outfits.
0: You know, for a man who's, like, very good behind
1: the camera, he is very handsome. Right? Yeah. Sometimes I just follow him around the the house, like, you know you're so handsome and beautiful, and he'll be like, I am working.
0: I have things to do. (laughs) (laughs) Another thing I wanted to discuss with you is this TV show that I feel like it's, like, infiltrating my life. I can't do anything other than watch this show Um, it's called search party on HBO
1: I've heard it's fantastic and I don't know anything about it
0: okay Aaliyah Shawkat who is maybe in Arrested Development yes she's a babe stars she is and I feel like it's funny because the show is really funny and it also gets like super dark Um, And a lot of the plot is based or like all a lot of the plot of some of like the humorous sides of the show is based around like how beautiful she is. And they make it like kind of funny and dark and twisted and Mm -hmm. weird in in a way. But it's like it's thrilling and it gets so weird. But I love the characters in it. My favorite characters are her uh, two best friends, Portia and Elijah. Their energy is great. Dynamic duo. Can I say that
1: I wish more shows did that, like commented on the fact that movie stars are in them? Like I was watching Remember the Titans, one of my favorite movies ever, starring my favorite actor of all time, the greatest actor of our of our times, Denzel Washington. And mm. it is so funny to me that like the plot of this movie is that this man moves to town, There's a lot of racist opposition to his presence, et cetera, et cetera. I feel like if it were real life and Denzel Washington moved to your town, the story would be the most handsome man ever to live has moved into town. (laughs) What what are you doing as a football coach? You should be modeling. You should be a movie star. (laughs) Right. I also need to pivot a little
0: bit and say that Denzel Washington, yes, but also Sidney Potier. Oh, yes. as well. Um so Sidney Potier sadly just died earlier this year. And the Daily, the New York Times mm-hmm. podcast, they did an episode all about Sydney Potier and I uh, immediately was like I feel like a fool cuz I haven't like dove into this man's oh, filmography yeah. previously. Oh, I grew so- up on that. My
1: parents loved loved Sydney and I feel like I saw Two Sir with Love when I was like way too young to understand the complexity <laughs> of those
0: emotions. Oh my gosh! Don't you love that? Like to watch a movie like over and over again when you're younger, and then watch it like 20 years later, and you're like, all of
1: this stuff went over my head. I didn't catch much of it, but I do remember yeah. catching just how handsome he was.
0: Mm. Yeah, and how cool. Mm-hmm. What is your favorite Sydney Potier movie?
1: I don't know. I think it might be too, sir, because that's the one that stood out to me the most. I feel like I saw so many of those dramas when I was just little. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm i not really qualified to share reviews. In the heat okay, of the night, no that's a great one. That's the one that we're
0: watching right now, okay. actually. Man, the one with, like, the slap. Oh, the slap, which I
1: think was improvised. Yeah.
0: Yes, that's what the New York Times said. And mm-hmm. that's, like, if you look up online, like, he had to, like, convince the filmmaker that like we need to keep this in.
1: Mhm.
0: Wonderful. What an artist. Yeah. I'm excited about Erin Ray on Basic Folk. I so the audio quality is a little rough. Uh it's it sounds like Erin is like on like a telephone, you know, like when somebody calls into like a talk show. Um but I'm actually like kind of proud of her of how like weird it sounds.
1: Yeah. You know. Erin was so game um, as a guest, she we spoke over the holidays. Like I think I spoke with her the day after Christmas or something. She was mm-hmm. like out in the country with her family. She managed to like put together a little recording setup in her van, um, so that might explain why it sounds a little bit rustic. But she's an amazing guest, and mm. I'm really glad that she Full of life. made the time to speak with me about her new record. Yeah, set it up for us, Lizzie. Let's let's do it. Oh, I would love to. So. Singer-songwriter Aaron Ray grew up in Jackson, Tennessee, and that might ring a bell for our listeners because Valerie June is uh, from the same place, which Aaron was amazed to point out. And I think there's gotta be something in the city water in Jackson because Hmm. both Valerie and Aaron are extremely creative, they're spiritually minded, they're playful in their songwriting, And they bring this sort of supernatural sense of ease and calm into their performances. So Erin grew up in Jackson gave college a try for about one semester before she kind of fell in with the songwriting crowd in Tennessee, and answered the call of the artist and she's been at it ever since she released her debut solo album in 2018. That album is called putting on airs and it is beautiful. It kind of kicked off this movement that her career is on now, which is about very personal, reflective, meditative songwriting and this velvety, one of a kind vocal delivery. So the world started to fall in love with Erin after that solo album and her follow up, which is called Lighten Up, expands on that classic sound. And she also is dipping into this groovy Laurel Canyon influenced pop. So uh, it was great to get to talk with her about the new record. We had a ball chatting. Um, We talked about 21st century feminism, the process of writing and making the new record remotely during the pandemic. We talked about meditation. We talked about being weird. And Hmm. of course I had to ask Erin about her incredible wardrobe and find out which clothes make her feel the most herself. So everyone please, um, get Aaron's new record it's out this February it's so pretty it's so cool and it's very very groovy
0: we're gonna hear a song from the new record before we get into this conversation this is Modern Woman from Aaron Ray and then we will hear Lizzie No and Aaron Ray talk to each other honestly honestly on Basic Folk
1: to it let's talk about your childhood can we go back in time to when you were like let's say second grade who at that time did you think was a great musician who in your mind was like that person's the best
2: I love this question who let's see in the second grade I think my mom was playing a lot of I'm trying to. Well, I'm like, when did Nickel Creek?
1: Oh my gosh! Yeah. Put
2: their first record out. I need to see like a timeline. Second grade, it was like a cross between Britney Spears. Yep. <sighs> Bewitched. I know like '98, '99, the best. I'm like got, got it all. Got India Re. Got you know. Uh, there's that band Dream. I don't know if you remember the Oh my gosh,
1: Dream! <laughs> wow, what a rich time. Yeah. I feel like I did choreography to Dream songs.
2: Yes, we have that in common then. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it was like a mix between whatever my parents were playing in the house, which is a lot of like singer-songwriter folk music. Um, mm-hmm. My mom loved this Cowboy Junkies record, Far... Something From Home, Far From Home. This Judy Collins record that has... I think it has both sides now on it but yeah it's just yeah a mixture definitely listening to whatever my parents were listening to a lot and then britney
1: spears (laughs) amazing mix do you think you were drawn more to lyrics or to certain types of sounds
2: probably always lyrics because Mm -hmm. yeah my dad my parents played music together when i was growing up and my dad had played music like since middle school age or whatever, and had this great collection of covers just from like American songwriters in the South, primarily, um, like Doc Watson, Mississippi John Hurt. And I I feel like I really resonated from an early age hearing him sing those songs. Greg Brown was another Mm -hmm. one, more like current Kate Wolf, He covered all of those songs as well as writing a couple of his own growing up i think i could immediate the way that he performed the songs just had this emotive quality that i kind of intuitively latched onto it was just like there's like a depth to the way that he and he and he would pick songs that already had that emotional depth obviously and um so yeah i just i kind of was raised on listening to songs that that had that like rich uh, like emotional landscape and just like kind of where you could see the image in your mind of what's being described or feel what's being described. So there's always that piece. And then there was like, you know, just like the fun songs, learning to make up dances to, of course, but
1: mm-hmm. yeah. Do you remember the first song that you wrote?
2: Yes, but, well, <laughs> my two friends, when we were kids in Jackson, I, this, okay, I was going to tell you, We were, I was just listening to the Valerie June episode like I got to listen to the episode of the interview you did with her and it's amazing but I didn't realize that we were both from Jackson Tennessee um, oh my gosh yeah what a small world actually I know was so so fun to hear her like talk about or just to hear it mentioned I like was in the drive through line at the Walgreens getting my COVID test and I was like
1: mm-hmm, good for you
2: whipped ahead <laughs> head around so fast I was like Jackson um anyway yeah there were two friends that I grew up with Hannah Rains. Her parents held folk or like house concerts at their house in Bemis, Tennessee, growing up. Um, So we would go out there a lot, and she and I made up a couple of songs. One was called This Rose. (laughs) It was really, yeah, very sweet. This rose means the world to me. This rose means you and me forever, together forever. A hit.
1: That's so Isn't nice. Isn't that nice? Um, That's precious. <laughs> that should get cut now. <laughs> thank, thank you. Um, he could Hannah, use some of that energy.
2: <laughs> yes. A promise. This rose. Um, but yeah, I didn't really start as far as like, actually, I, I like wrote poems and made up songs, kind of had a tape recorder growing up, and I would just kind of play around all the time. My sister and I make radio shows, but it wasn't until... Um, I graduated high school. I got a guitar for my birthday and graduation. The first song that I wrote was, I was about to turn 19. It was like, I guess, January 2009. I like, it was like Super Bowl Sunday. I remember writing, like writing the date on the notebook and just being so excited because I had just started to go to like some open mics. And at that point had primarily just been trying to cover, you know, Carrie Underwood. songs (laughs) like you do yeah as you do when you are learning guitar anyways that's the long story there long and winding road but
1: I love that so I've read that you did one semester in college and then like got the bug yes and dropped out to make music do you remember like the thought that went through your mind that was like oh I need to make a shift like what was going on in Aaron's world at that time well I think I had
2: you know I had grown up around music, but only like in my junior and senior year, i joined like a chorus, the high school chorus mm-hmm. class. And then for like, I was like, oh yeah, I can get my dad to play guitar with me, excuse me, and we'll say I'll sing songs with him, like my mom oh. does, and um, and then like we performed like "I'll Fly Away" for the. Um, like, graduation ceremony or whatever for the seniors. Um, So it's that kind of thing. I think I will say, and I've heard other people say this too, but, you know, I think high school, I was definitely figuring out, like, how do I get attention? (laughs) And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Like, I feel special, you know, playing music, and I'm getting a lot of positive feedback about it. And so there was an element of that. But, yeah, I'd gone to college for a semester, just down the road. Did you have a major?
1: Did you know what you were going to study?
2: I was going to (laughs) pursue psychology. My mom is a therapist and um, I was saying art therapy or music therapy. So there was like a creative element intertwined in the initial vision, if you will. Um, But it was not very like, you know, that school didn't have a music therapy program or whatever. So I was just very much going in to like get the basics covered. But, um, yeah, I found there's some other hippie kids that were playing songs in the stoop. I was like, I know how to play three chords. Like, I know this, I know Don't Think Twice, kind of. Um, so I'll come join you guys. Um, and then, yeah, I went, moved home, or went back home for the holiday. And, uh, my half-brother, my older half-brother had just moved to town and took me to a, an open mic in Nashville, this place called Cafe Coco. And yeah, it was just so magical. I was like, "Oh, this is so much fun." I got to, I just sang an a cappella song uh for the open mic cuz I hadn't written anything at that point. But every Thursday night, and it was a 24-hour cafe, so we you know, just would stay up and play on the porch. With whoever was there that night, it was like a very magical couple of years. I was like, "Oh, this is like where I want to be all the time. I want to feel this like high of like, you know, just feels like I I don't know, that was my first experience of just like finding that many people that were like-minded. It's definitely an eccentric crowd, um, with it being a 24 hour cafe. (laughs) Um, but yeah, and I just was like, I think I'm going to stay home. And my parents have always been very like follow your bliss, like Joseph Campbell kind of thing. So I'm going to try to make my answers a little shorter.
1: So have have uh, no, much. this is the this <laughs> is the good stuff. Well, I there are so many things that really were so relatable in in that like moment in time that you're talking about. Because there are times when I feel like scared as a musician of the that powerful feeling, like when a harmony like locks in, it's like it feels like being on drugs, or like I feel like so much of our lives is if you're like a sensitive or creative person, so much of your life is like hearing a song or seeing a painting or reading something that just moves you to tears and beyond. And if you're looking around and the people are around you are like, oh yeah, whatever, that's nice. It's so alienating. And then when you sit, you know, if you sit side by side with someone and you're sort of experiencing that same sense of wonder together, I mean, it's just overwhelming. Like you have to follow it. (laughs) You don't have a choice. It
2: feels like... It's, it's such a, like, powerful, well, in in the interview with Valerie, y'all were talking about the feeling of being in love, and I feel like that is, it's probably because of growing up, hearing my, my parents play music and my dad especially, I just equate singing harmony with that, this deep connect a deep connection that's, like, it's, like, beyond words, you know, but then also there's, like, probably a romanticism piece that's added to it. Of just like oh wow like being you know imagining just because it feels so connected to sing harmony mm-hmm. with someone and, and it, it you know it's like like y'all are saying it, it's like very powerful it's very
1: <laughs> yeah. be like, be like you cannot have any artifice like yeah. when you're to sing with another person i feel is like one of the most vulnerable things you can do because yeah. it combines what you know about music it combines your intentions and then like your physical body is involved and proximity you know Mm -hmm. it's just like everything at once
2: very (laughs) intimate yeah Yeah.
1: (laughs) I was wondering do you have a meditation practice I I feel like so much of your lyricism really goes to like not only like how you see the world but how the process of how you think about things and I'd love to hear your thoughts on like a meditation practice? Like, is that something you grew up with? Is that something you're working on now?
2: I, um, I aspired to have a a consistent practice. Um, but I, my parents have both like found their way to meditation practices in like two different ways. Mm -hmm. My dad apparently was introduced to, I, I believe this is true. (laughs) (laughs) this is when he was uh he went to old miss i guess for a time and zz top was playing music they were playing a concert and he was like the he was driving them back and forth like shuttling them around and he got to talking to billy gibbons who told him about uh transcendental meditation for the first time and (laughs) my dad was like a wild man at that time and partying and cutting up and that set him on this trajectory of like he went to Switzerland and like learned to practice TM, met the Maharishi, <laughs> and uh and then like, you know, came back and throughout my life for the most part pretty consistently. He's he's meditated twice a day for twenty minutes. And I've just now come around my mom is on Theravadan tradition or is in in that path, which is mindfulness Buddhism. I need to like commit to memory the exact, like, language, the exact tradition she's in because it's so much a part of her life. And I so appreciate that about her. And I always mess up the name. Um, but she, so she's I won't like, tell her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um,
2: she will definitely listen to this. <laughs> um,
1: hey, but, Aaron's mom. Hey. We, we appreciate and respect you. Yes. <laughs>
2: um, But, yeah, so all that to say, you know, it's a big part of, like, what is normal about taking care of yourself and growing up around that. Fortunately, it's very normalized. I feel like, yeah, I just have known people, especially growing up in the South, that are, like, it took a while for people to come around to meditation. And, obviously, it's more mainstream now. Um, But it's, like, oh, yoga, like meditation it's like is that magic or
1: what is that? Yeah, you is know? it eastern woo woo yeah um no I so, grew up like in in a Christian church where yoga was like a big controversy whoa. like are we gonna be okay with that <laughs> yes
2: now it is like yeah of course as we know just it's all around us but um but yeah so all that to say I mm-hmm. have like a couple of tools in the toolbox like things I've picked up that I love to listen to talks by tara brock and then this like I i'm definitely just a spiritual person never really we went to a bunch of different kinds of churches growing up non-denominational and like unitarian and unity and uh so i never i don't i wouldn't consider myself christian but i just have a, you know i feel like a spiritual connection and uh, i feel a thousand times better when i'm able to kind of drop in and ground into the present moment and I think the main thing that I have been using on the road is um just like a mini a mini meditation like I'll kind of like Mm. close my eyes and like set the intention just like okay like I'm turning this over this show like help me to be of service or like just to be in the present moment and to like kind of try to visually imagine like a grounding cord of energy to the ground because it's like that's why I, that's ultimately why i'm doing this music path is to to be in the present moment and to connect with other people yeah and i, I that was the thing i heard quest love or i read in his book creative quest it was like he was like yeah I'll, i use the mini meditation just like a quick reset like it's like it's just a mm-hmm. that in, intention you know
1: I think that's such an interesting approach that it's not that you're starting with this like long list of beliefs and like, how can I measure up to that? It's more like, what tools can I bring into my own life to fulfill what I'm already trying to do? Like, I was talking to JP Harris the other night and he was like, oh yeah, I grew up Unitarian. We take wisdom from everywhere. A little Buddhist, a little Christian. This guy was a little good. This person had something to share. And I was like, that is rad. That is like, like, People look down on the, you know, people in the, like, fundamentalist Christian church sometimes look down on buffet-style religion. But I think it's dope. You should take what, what works and, and leave everything else behind. Yes. Oh,
2: that, <laughs> I love J.P. Harris. Did not know he grew up Unitarian. We'll oh, have yeah. to
1: text him. Yeah, gotta, gotta talk about that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, I really want to talk about the writing of Lighten Up. And how it relates to what you've been talking about of like trying to stay in the present moment, because there's a lot about your thought process in this album. There's a lot about like trying to approach the world in a new way. Um, When did you start the writing for it? And how did being in a lockdown like change the attention that you gave to it?
2: Well, first of all, thank you so much for, like, for listening to the full record and, like...
1: Oh, it's wonderful. Thanks so it's much. It's so I, good. <laughs> I'm
2: so grateful to be able to talk about it on your podcast. Um, I'm trying to think. A couple of the songs. I probably... Because the last record I made, we recorded it in 2017. So, it mm-hmm. came out in 2018, which is, like, a 100 years ago at this point. Um,
1: the before times. Yeah,
2: the before times. Um, and for most 2018 and 19 i was on the road but there was like little snippets um of time or like little ideas that i you know uh, had put into voice memos on my phone or whatever around probably in 2018 yeah i had I had fallen out of the habit of writing because just i felt like it was a more of an out outward work mm. part of the cycle um and, but my friend Lou, actually, she was like, let's do, let's just do like a a challenge where we just like write a song every day and we send it to each other. We just like record something and send it to each other. This is like winter time, 2018. That really allowed me to just kind of get back into that like channel thing of like, oh, it doesn't matter. Like, I'm not trying to write what's going to be the most you know, what's going to be my radio hit or whatever? <laughs> um, I, it just kind of let me just that stream of consciousness style, which is what I, it feels so good to me to write for the most part. I love, I love to like, and love and so respect the process of like the storytelling writing style um, and would love to do more of that. But I, something about right this chapter, uh, this chunk of writing in my life felt like. It just felt the most, like, authentic and good to me to just kind of stream of consciousness, let stuff spill out. So that was, like, the start of that. Um, and then I think um, I had, like a, like, a handful of songs, four or five, that I felt good about towards the end of 2019. And I'd started to do a few demos. Um, and then really winter time. 2020, like, February before the spring, before I set up a little writing space and just tried to go in and do the phone on airplane mode and, like, just for two hours, I was just like, okay, even if I don't write anything, I'm just going to sit in this space and I have, like, paper, and pen, guitar, colored pencils, like, just to kind of, like, leave, create some space for myself to just for stuff to come out, and I was able to, like, write a handful of songs, like, in a relatively short amount of time, like, um, the song Cosmic Sigh," California Belongs to You, Rich Man, which I don't think I, we ended up put, we didn't put up on the record, but that was another one around that
1: time. Did you perform any of them live before you started recording them, or was it all just, like, demo in that private concentrated space
2: it was dim it was demo in, in the private space yeah um in true love space i mm. the most performance i did was my friends that are in this in, in my group text we call it just group text <laughs> uh very uh yeah we've really brainstormed a lot on the name but um <laughs> it's caroline spence michaela ann and kelsey walden we did like right when the pandemic started a month later, we did a Zoom call and did like a song swap via Zoom. And True Love's Space was one that I played for them as well as California. And I think, I think those three in Cosmic Psy.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And I was like, these are feeling really good to me. And Caroline, True Love's Face I like played as an afterthought. I was like, I... I don't know, this one feels, like, very, like, young and just, like, fun and, you know, it's, like, whatever. And Caroline was, like, I think that's one that you keep. That's a special one. And I was, like, really? And she was, like, yeah. And I think it's because it felt, you know, the subject matter of that song moving into, like, some hope. And just, like, kind of, it's a little bit it's like oh yeah I'm, I'm making my it's like an affirmation like I'm making myself available for like love and connection with another human being and yeah it's like I'm just saying
1: that basically in a that is way. <laughs> a level of like earnestness and attention yeah. and intention that takes a lot of balls, <laughs> Like, it's really hard to be that open. I
2: was just like, here it is. And yeah. Here like, I am.
1: Yeah. And
2: he, yeah, Caroline was like, no, I think that's, I think that's mm-hmm. cool. And I was like, I don't know. It seems, a, yeah, exactly. I was like, it seems a little earnest to me. Like, I just, it just feels like straight, you know, it's just like fun and straight from the heart, but it's very fun to play. So,
1: yeah. yeah. I love that. I love when musician friends bully me into doing things that I need to do like love that and I sort of can't believe that between the four of you you haven't been able to come up with a name for the group text because the (laughs) amount of songwriting prowess and writing prowess in that group well it's I think (laughs) I believe in you I think you're gonna get there (laughs) just presented itself but
2: it's just it's just group text it's It's
1: yeah the group text yeah um so with it, it also sounds like, so the process, if I'm not mistaken, for this album was different than your previous ones. Like, correct me if I'm wrong, but I read that you recorded putting on airs in like a church in Appleton with the whole band kind of camped out together. Like, that is such a contrast to what it sounds like Lighten Up took, which is like sending demos across the country and a lot of it was during the pandemic and then... You know, it's a, it sounds like just a much more separate um, and remote process. Was that a trip?
2: So with Putting on Airs, I had written those songs ahead of time, but we had been touring uh, me and Don Billet and Jerry Bernhardt in the UK. We, so we had been playing some of those new songs that hadn't been recorded yet. So that was cool. So we got home and I was presented with this opportunity to go up to Appleton, Wisconsin, and and record at this—it's it's an old Franciscan monastery. I was like, I think I would love it if the three of us went and our my friend Dan Nobler. So Jerry and Dan co-produced the record, and Dan Nobler just recently made Alison Russell's new record. Oh uh, yeah, but knockout. Uh, yes, stunner. <laughs> we did a little pre-production, and then went into the studio, and we had like eight days, and it was so fun and just very cool to be like camped out like we all stayed there there's all these little monks quarters and then with this record i did not play any of the music out on the road or maybe one song the song enemy it it was cool i kind of like got to absorb a lot of the music that i've been listening to over the last several years and just like everything that i've learned about playing music since recording the last one and touring and i was just kind of imagining this record with like a more cinematic sound. And so I started talking to Jonathan Wilson and we like sent songs back and forth. Yeah. That was another scenario. I flew out to California and then we just made it out, out there basically.
1: Are there any songs that like sound radically different than you imagined when you were doing those demos?
2: Yeah. Well, Undone, the closing mm-hmm. track, That song, I had, like, just a kind of, like, a drum machine, like, backbeat in mind. We ended up making it sound more, like, a little bit of, like, a spiritual, like, a zen spiritual sound kind of to that song. There's, like, specifically a Katie Tunstall
1: Mm.
2: guitar sound from the 90s that he was, like, this is Katie. You know, he was channeling it. Mm -hmm. And it was cool to, like, yeah, just bring it to a, a different set of ears. I thought that song would be the record opener but it ended up we put it at the end
1: which is cool track listing is such a fun and kind of i mean sometimes it's like a stupid puzzle but it can be a really fun puzzle how do you do it do you whiteboard it out do you keep it in a notebook do you did you and jonathan fight over it i've definitely fought with producers (laughs) over track listing
2: (laughs) we did not fight over he he was pretty like he kind of like trusts the the it's like I just make the music with you, basically. Like I realized, and I sent him a couple different things to to just get like the thumbs up. Like, but yeah, definitely the notebook. I like trying. That's kind of like what starts the process for me when I when I start to realize a record is is like coming together. I'm like, oh, I think I have songs for record. I start to like do the imaginary like record cover sketch, and then like list out some of the songs, and then of course it evolves.
1: I want to hear about your process, Joanna. It's like, <laughs> I'm no. like. Well, listen, who is, who is running the interview here? Yeah. <laughs> I, I will briefly address it. Like, you know, you have times where you're more prolific and times where nothing's getting written. And so I'll just like end up after a few months with like a chunk of songs. And once I start to see any sort of like a motif or a color that's running through everything, I'm like, okay, if I have five or six songs, that means it's happening. And so once I have like a bulk of the songs written, either in voice memos or demos, I will sit down with a notebook or just like pieces of printer paper. And I'll usually like go to a bar or a cafe and it'll be like that sacred moment of like, right now I am I write all of the lyrics of the record in order. And then I sort of, you know, make some notes and then then it looks like something at least.
2: <laughs> it's like, it's one of the more satisfying feelings like typing out or writing out all the lyrics to the songs that have kind of like come about you know over a period of time i'm like wow <laughs> I'm yeah like, wow this is cool like i wrote read all of these <laughs> it's
1: a great feeling it's like wow i haven't just been like messing around with my life like i've been working mm-hmm. Okay, I have a mystical question for you. Now that we've we've broached that topic, do you have any thoughts on the possibility of reincarnation because I sort of when I was listening to this record, I was like, I feel like Aaron has lived a few lives at least and one of them was like living on the beach in California.
2: Wow. Well, that sounds wonderful. I <laughs> it's so funny that you say that because last night well, okay. I, like I told you, I was listening to the Valerie interview and I was like, I was like, I wonder if we'll talk about, if we will talk about reincarnation or, you know, the afterlife because my mom, my mom, just last night I was talking to her, she got in, we just lost a friend, one of her good friends for of 20 years to COVID actually. I'm um, so sorry. Thank you. Over the weekend. And she, my mom was processing... This and talking about like it was really interesting to hear her talk about it in this sort of more finite manner than I had. Like I've I've always like yeah I'm like yeah that reincarnation makes sense to me as I feel like I can believe in anything spiritual is like I'm really down with the idea of like a consciousness and life that just keeps evolving and especially with just so much unknown about. What's beyond even our own planet? You know, it's just so there's to me the possibilities seem endless. So yeah, I remember like growing up, we saw there there's this movie about I I can't remember if it was called Little Buddha or not, but we watched it as kids, and it was about a young boy, I believe in China that had was born. And from, like, early on, the elders in the community were like, oh, that's, that's the Buddha, like, coming back, um, and, and this is his new form. I might be just totally misremembering who it was supposed to be, but it was supposed to be, at least for sure, an elder in the community, like a beloved spiritual leader. That idea has always been around me, like, in kind of... I'm op- I'm definitely open to it, and I would love to get like a reading about about past lives. Like I I've had several friends that have that have had those done, and def- I'm definitely down to explore that. Um, but it was interesting hearing my mom talk about this passing of her friend last night because she was saying she got to witness a lot of growth on a spiritual level and emotional level. She was like, I think I felt at peace she said, I felt at peace because I, re- I realized, I think she will definitely come back to a life with less suffering the next time around. And I just, I was, I was like, very, it's like that, like, you know, it's kind of taken aback. It's like, like, I, I just will like talk about the idea or think about it. Like, Oh, that's a nice idea, you know? And it was really cool and kind of like, yeah, just to hear it be spoken about in more of a finite way. I was like, wow, this is your belief system. This is cool. To just get it's to so
1: different know. when it is a yeah when it's a practical belief sorry to interrupt you. yeah
2: <laughs> no yeah
1: that's so interesting I grew up in like a you know Christian family a lot of Catholic roots yeah and a couple years ago I was at the beach with my cousins and we stayed up very late and got very drunk and my aunt out of the blue was like you know I think we live many lives and we've all lived many lives and as women that gives us power you're like, what?
2: That's amazing.
1: Tell me everything. What yeah. do you know? <laughs> That's <so laughs> Tell me everything. Cool. There's just so much we don't know. I think it's, yeah. I think it's great. I was thinking about this the other day that like, I think there are some people who are like, the fear of the ocean is such an interesting fear. Because I am afraid that things are finite and that everything is known and that there's nothing left. Like I to sleep at night, I need to believe that there are some coral reefs that no human has ever laid eyes on. You know, I need to I need to know that there's always more out there. And I think for some of us, knowing is scary, and for some of us, not knowing is scary.
2: Yes. Yeah. Especially the, like all of these wonderful Netflix specials that we've gotten to view. Through the pandemic, I've gotten to catch up on my television, (laughs) on my shows. Um, But just the one, um, maybe it's just Planet Earth, or or the one with, um, wow, I need more coffee.
1: Is it the one with Sigourney Weaver about the whales? Because I've become obsessed with that.
2: (laughs) It's not, but I have not watched that yet, so now I've Oh, it's so good. Carl Sagan's um, the person that he taught. Carl Sagan's, okay. He, well... Let's just, we'll scrap that little section of what I was about to say. Well, our listeners one. can
1: Google that person. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's like the most, na- it's like, the, everybody knows this name. Everybody's like, what?
1: Um, but, They're listening and screaming the name. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, how they, they show the calendar of Earth's, of like life on Earth. Um, as like, you know, it's, they show it as a calendar block of time, which is one weekend. can kind of like wrap our heads around and human life has only existed in the calendar of a year has only existed like within a few minutes or a few hours of like the final day or the first day on the calendar. It just blew my mind. And so I love, I love to think about that kind of thing before I go to sleep. Just like, Oh yeah, space. Like it's, it's (laughs) really just keeps on going out there as far as we know. Yeah, it's, it's great because
1: it's impossible to have a big ego when you look at the yeah. universe that way. Yeah. Like, who am I? <laughs>
2: yeah. Love it. Yes. I also I know we're. I want to hear about because you were just in Nashville mm-hmm. for the Black Opry this weekend, and I was out of town. Saw so some photos, and my friend Trey Burt was playing. How was it? I know You're this is best. not my interview. <laughs> just, no, I'm I like, appreciate you. Ask you as friends.
1: I know I haven't seen Trey in years. It was, I mean, I think especially seeing Trey was really, really special because I in 2019, I went to Americana Fest and I was like, I wanna have a party that's like, it's like a showcase, but it's just gonna be black artists. And so I called Trey and I called Sunny War and I called Buffalo Nichols and we did a party at D's and it was so fun, but it was just like a one, little one-off thing, but I just wasn't aware of anything else like that happening. And then now two years later, to be back together when this movement has like exploded. And so there's so many more, you know, there's so many people that are doing this work in different ways, whether it's radio or whether it's, you know, booking these live shows, whether it's Holly doing her blog and bringing people, like it's just become like a multitude of people and supporters. So it's just kind of emotionally overwhelming. And like, most importantly, just like being in that, in those rooms, just passing the guitar around. I mean, just the wealth of talent, you know, from Trey to the Kentucky Gentleman and Joy Clark and Jet Holt. I mean, just the list goes on. Yes. It's crazy. <laughs> That's,
2: I can't wait to like, I was just reading like who performed like last night. I was, it was deep in the scroll, in the scroll zone. One of the coolest things was at, at Newport this year, getting to see Allison put together that showcase for sunday night and i had not heard so many people's music that performed and but one of my favorites i had meant i'd heard sunny war's name before were you there
1: for that no were there? but i sunny's a friend and i i'm like i feel like i'm i i can't claim the title of her biggest fan but i'm <laughs> constantly evangelizing yeah. like have you heard of sunny war she's yeah. so special
2: so special i, I was like <laughs> so taken aback and just like you know, she I think played with the full band, but I it's like it's like they weren't even there in my mind. <laughs> just
1: like, no, she's her like that. She's guitar. like one of those people. She's a star. You look yeah. at her and it's like there's like a there's like a spotlight on Yes, her.
2: <laughs> Yeah, and just like drew us all in. I was yeah, so I'm super excited to like we got to be on like a, a Grammy panel thing that was very funny and she was cracking me up and it was
1: like she is nice. on another plane speaking of mystics that's you cannot yes. underestimate sunny yeah okay so i'm gonna make a really awkward transition so speaking of <laughs> <laughs> speaking of two modern women on a panel i want to talk about your song and music video for modern woman that song is phenomenal the more I listen to it, the more layers I feel I come across. It feels to me like sort of like a sneaky wink of a political song where it's so fresh and it's so melodic and it's undeniable. It's like, the, it's just like so pleasurable to like let it wash over you. But then, it, you know, you're really making a point about what it is to be a woman and what it isn't, what what the lies are. It kind of reminded me of bad mind is that the is that the song from putting on airs about a friend of yours that lost their kids for being gay I feel like you've had this engagement with feminism and making a statement about what it is to be a woman so all that to say like if there was one stereotype about being a woman that you could just snap of the fingers erase from the consciousness what would it be
2: Well, the first one that comes to mind is one that we run into a lot on the road. I'm just thinking primarily of my tour manager, (laughs) who gets asked, who's a woman, and gets asked, has got asked twice in the last month, like, oh, who are you? Are you married to the guitar player? Are you, like, dating? Like, who are you here with? Like, she's clearly working the merch. She's, like, doing. she's wearing a lot of hats because we're you know, running a a small crew, but so she was working the merch table and this person asked her who she was married to in the band. (laughs) And it's like, you know, the assumption that like, for a crew, crew members to be together or like, to be, or to be associated with the band, that they're probably just carrying the gear for their boyfriends, you know?
1: Um, That's crazy. So that's, that's 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 a one, it's It's like a small, it's well familiar to me, but that's, it's such nonsense.
2: Yeah. So it's a niche. I feel like that's in, or like that's specific to music world. But you know, clearly, it uh, happens in, in, in its own way, like in all career paths, I'm sure. But um,
1: if you could think, like, yeah, if you could think, like, hundred years from now, like, what do you think you want? You know, what do you want to be different about being a woman?
2: With Modern Woman, the song, you know, the goal from that, where a lot of that came from was, like, wanting to own my own, like, softness, the strength that's in my, like, the way that I tenderly <laughs> approach the world and, like, my introspection. You know, I'm more... I can be a cut-up, but I'm really soft-spoken, and, you know, and I just, I would like, obviously, just... Letting people be who they are is the goal. It to me is just that there doesn't need to be one specific view of what makes a strong woman or how women need to show up. I think maybe the, the goal is where there's not even a conversation about it because everybody's like just existing and and is it free to be who they are? And that song in particular is talking about. It was kind of like back pushing up against the idea that, like, a a strong woman or a modern woman is, like, outspoken and outlaw and, you know, is a firecracker and says whatever she thinks all the time and it doesn't care who, you know, has a problem with it. And there's also, like, such strength in, like, a quiet person who is, (laughs) you know, just a shy person. Like, or, you know, I have several friends that are musicians that are mothers that bring their kids on the road or learning how to do that and exploring that. And I just, I love the idea of being able to celebrate, like, the beautiful parts of, like, just, yeah, I think it's just however people want to relate to being a woman or however they want to personally define being a woman. And that's for that to be all okay and to be
1: respected. Yeah, that you don't have to, like, explain it or argue for it or fight for it. (laughs) <laughs> like, that, it'll, there's going to be a time when we can hopefully just be who we are. And that's the end of the sentence.
2: Yes, exactly. And I think that's the... For me to try to say, like, one specific, you know, I can say what would pertain to me, but it's kind of just like the fr- the freedom to just be is,
1: is the goal, I think. It kind of reminds me of what I think is my favorite song on the album, which is Gonna Be Strange. I love that song and (laughs) for those who haven't heard it yet the chorus goes wait I might be wrong but it was like gonna be strange without you but there's no turning back now something like that can you talk about that lyric like is it what I got from it is like there are parts of yourself that you have to flatten to make it work in certain relationships or in certain settings like do you feel like you are leaning into solitude and is that something you've been exploring?
2: Yes, that song is a cross kind of a crossover between the inner and outer world, I think for sure. The chorus kind of came about in thinking about a particular relationship, just having to let something go hopefully te- you know just temporarily or even ha- whatever needs to happen in order to learn like do what, what the strength is within myself like what what I'm tr- what I'm capable of. And so there's that piece, and then, of course, like, the letting go of views of myself, views towards other habits. Of, I've realized how many definitions to people, like, people or, or words, like, I will have an idea of, like, who a person is or what a situation is, and I approach it based on that idea instead of being in the present moment and allowing the unknown to kind of just keep happening like we were talking about earlier like the difference between the black black and white or just the finite and not the unknown and i think so that song is in particular is like one that's one of the things i was trying to let go of it's like okay like i'm gonna i'm gonna be strange i'm and also i'm just gonna be weird without my yeah. defenses that i have like my survival skills trying to shed some of these like defenses that keep me from connection with other people and so it's gonna be awkward for a minute is like part of what I'm talking about, you know, just like the willingness to be messy and to be uncomfortable, and it's like I'm gonna be strange without my survival people skills, where I people please all the time, or I'm trying to present in a certain way so that to try and guarantee that you're gonna like me or that I get what I want out of life or the situations, and kind of releasing a lot of that, and it's gonna be freaking weird for a minute <laughs> until that becomes
1: that normal. is so powerful to me <laughs> i love that is a freedom song now yes <laughs> oh i love it yeah um okay i have one more sort of standard question it's not standard but like i have one more regularly scheduled question and then i want to do a lightning round of 10 quick ones okay so can you please talk to the basic folk community about your color palette, like the clothes that you wear, are there patterns or objects or accessories that make you feel most yourself? And are there particular places you go to, to like, okay, this is where I'm going to get the show outfit. Ooh,
2: love this question. Love being asked about clothes. (laughs) (laughs) I really, truly do. I, um, i was thinking for some reason i was thinking about that today i was like it's just another way it's kind of like a painting or something like i get like a certain cut of clothes in mind where that i like for a time like like a high like a high-waisted like 70s 60s like trouser like a polyester pant that's like maybe a boot cut or whatever and i just kind of like right now i have so many of those that i've gotten from estate sales or vintage stores um in different colors right now i'm in this phase of just like playing around with stuff and not being super tied to any one look because i think that was one way that i was trying to like control the narrative of like oh yeah like trying to appear as feminine as possible because in this patriarchal society like (laughs) if i can be approved of like we're appearing feminine and guys like me well then i'll be okay that's like one
1: and it's true. I mean, there's real weight to it because when you're a performer, like the male gaze can determine your paycheck. It's the worst. <laughs> yeah.
2: And it, yeah. And it's been very, like, it's, it's so validating to even just hear you say that in this moment. And I feel like it's been very validating because I, I started kind of discovering this. Anyway, I'll get back to the, close, the question, but like I started oh, no, discovering go. this, like this like desire for approval within myself. It's like, okay, what are my motives when I'm picking out my clothes in the morning? Do I feel grounded in my body? Do I feel anxious? Like I'm like, it's like, where's my energy at? Like, is it in my shoulders? Like I'm trying to like, I don't know, bring it down and and just like ground to what feels the best truly to me to wear at this time, you know, and sometimes there's, like, a little dissonance, with which, like, oh, well, I need to get ready and kind of dress up a little bit for the show. So what feels the best to me? How can I feel grounded and, like, because it's not yeah, it's, like, and present myself as the performer that I'm showing up to be and that I want to be. Um, but, yeah, when I start, first started, like, exploring this, that part of like just realizing that oh oftentimes I am motivated by an idea like what I think you might think is attractive or like hip or whatever what might get me the most like positive regard I took it really personally I was like wow I'm so like self-centered blah 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 that kind of thing it's like this heart very harsh like realizing how I was like showing up turning the page on that I was just and Realizing, like, oh, that's because that's not something I set up because I just want attention all the time. It's because that's a survival skill required to exist in a like white supremacy patriarchal society. Like, it's like cap- the capitalist thing. It's like it just yeah, louder it was,
1: for those in the back. <laughs>
2: yeah, it's very validating to realize, and d- it, and so nice to depersonalize that wiring. You know and be like, "Oh, okay. Well, I'm always probably going to have a little bit of like approval seeking. I'm probably always going to have like a little bit of like wanting to be hip or whatever. And knowing that in mind, what sounds fun to me to wear today?" <laughs>
1: you know. That is um, beautiful. <laughs> we love the self-acceptance. It's we great. love it. We love
2: <laughs> we to love see it. We love a self-acceptance. Um, <laughs> yeah, but to go back to the like where do I like to shop? I My favorite store, and it's not just because I work there sometimes, but one of the greatest vintage stores that we have in Nashville is Anaconda Vintage. Um, Another musician started it. It's right behind Grimey's Record Store.
1: I just went there for the first time last week. Yay! I got the most beautiful silk dress.
2: Oh my gosh! And the price is right, I will say. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's like eight, eight vendors, I think, now, and you know, Tristan and her sister Elise started it a few years ago.
1: Yeah. Oh, so like there's Tristan? Tristan? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. That's I, so I, cool. I
2: stand, Tristan. So do I. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, so, any, but also just gotten a lot into uh, estate sales, but really on tour, vintage stores, thrift stores, that's like the retail therapy. I bought like several outfits on this tour to kind of just like wear for the stage keeps it fresh you know
1: and you can write those off on your taxes don't it's forget it's true it's true mm-hmm. <laughs> okay Erin Ray, you've been an incredible guest thank you now so much for having now please shift into lightning round mode <laughs> okay I'm ready I'm fast these fast. questions I, I want you to not think about just like go from the gut you can skip a question there's only a few but just no clarification just what off the Dome. Okay, here we go. What is your favorite candy? Nerds Rope. <laughs> <laughs> what is one song you wish you had written?
2: Oh, wow. First, I'm just, you said Off the Dome, Sunrise by Nora Jones.
1: <gasps> That's a perfect melody. Um, what is the best age to be?
2: The best age to be It's the age you are right
1: now. Aww. (laughs) (laughs) What is your least favorite season?
2: I like them all. Winter, I guess, but I like them all.
1: What is your favorite city to have a day off in?
2: Most recently, I guess we didn't have a full day off, but Austin, we had a great time in Austin.
1: Oh yeah, the town.
2: Changes, yeah.
1: Which non-human animal do you relate to the most?
2: uh the animal that came to mind is my dog billy that is no longer with us yeah
1: (laughs) but maybe is going back to our earlier conversation perhaps is with us in another way yes (laughs) yes this is true we can't be sure okay do you remember your dreams when you wake up
2: yes all the time it's probably annoying to the people i'm around because i tell them all
1: about it (laughs) um that's right up my alley and finally (laughs) is there sentient alien life out there yes or no for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we know. Yeah. Okay, Erin <laughs> Ray, you have been the best, most generous guest. Everybody, go get Erin's new record in February. It's called Lighten Up. It is wonderful. Thank you. And follow Erin Ray and go see her when she's in your town.
2: Thanks so much for having me. This has been a delight.
0: This episode of Basic Folk was produced by me, Cindy Howes. Thank you very much. Our music was composed by Alex Stanton. You can find all of Basic Folk episodes wherever you get podcasts or at basicfolk.com. That's also where you can make a generous contribution to the pod and keep the operations going here. Thank you so much for listening all the way to the end. We will talk to you next time. Bye.